Hey now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, and I got D-Boy alongside me again today. What's going on, D-Boy? Man, I'm chilling, man. I just play 18 holes of golf. I'm tired. You're still at it, huh? I'm apps. I'm shooting under 100 now. I think I'm doing good. Oh, is that man, right? About, you you got to keep giving us your golf updates, man. What's yeah, going on? I'm what about, you been doing? I'm about two months into it now, heavily, consistently. When I say that, I'm talking twice a week now. Um, and, uh, yeah, when I first started doing it, it was it was bad. You feel me? It was a, It's a hard game. It's still a hard game. But my goal been to shoot under 100 because it's usually – a par 36 on each hole for a total of 72 yeah. and that's pro stuff so for a you know amateur golfer or somebody who does it on a regular basis you want to be in them 80s and 90s for sure under 100 and you you walking away happy just right, for right. beginners who don't know how to score you know keep the score so right uh with me being under 100 already uh and being able to feel and recognize my improvement Man, it's good. And I'm averaging over uh, 10,000 steps a week right now. A day, a day, a day. Yeah. You're monitoring it on I the did, iPhone, I did, huh? I did 17,000 a day. 18 holes walking. Ooh, no cart. No cart? No cart. Do you do no cart every time? Or? I, do no, I do it purposely. If I'm going to pay that money to be out there, I'm trying to enjoy the tranquility and get the exercise in. I don't okay. ride carts. I mean, I've ridden a cart one time in the past probably eight rounds of golf that I played. Oh, and wow. Other than that, I'm walking it every time. And uh, I keep a, a cocktail or two with me. I ain't going to okay, lie. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I get more sauced up as the game progresses. But uh, I'm walking. Wow. Yeah. That's good, though. Keeping yeah. you in shape, keeping you yeah, healthy, all that cool. good stuff. Yeah, walking never was bad for nobody. And it's all yeah. kind of terrain. So you <laughs> yeah, feel me? Absolutely. Um, for me, I got a few quick announcements to make before we start digging into some content. Um, my announcements usually turn into content some way, somehow, anyway. But um, please, please, please go and check out the Street Roots podcast just published and released this week. You can go to news.streetroots.org and check it out on our website. Um, it was a really, really good episode. I had the pleasure of interviewing Teresa Rayford, and Teresa Rayford is the founder of Don't Shoot PDX. They're doing some amazing work on the front lines right now in the city, in the city of Portland. Some of you, if you're watching the news heavily, even the mainstream news, the CNNs and all that, you're probably seeing that Portland is nuts in a lot of ways right now. We Not in a good way. Not though. in a good way. You know, we got a lot of federal law enforcement out here um, taking it hard to the streets. And we got protesters out here that are doing their absolute best to maintain the streets. So it's really a, it's really a battle and it's really a clashing right now between the general public and the law enforcement that has been sent to, to do what they're sent to do here in this city, which is very unfortunate. But Teresa Rayford and Don't Shoot PDX have been doing amazing work on the front lines. They've been doing amazing work behind the scenes as well. It's a really good quality interview, and you should really check it out if you want to know more about what's happening in the streets, organizers in the streets, how protesting and organizing works, the youth and the role that they're playing in protests. There's just a lot of good quality content there, and she's very, very eloquent in the way that she delivers it. So, uh, yeah, news.streetroots.org. Go check out the Street Roots podcast and that interview I did with her. Um, also... As I mentioned, it was a pretty big week this week in regards to law enforcement and their activities here in Portland. 
Um, I did a press conference, more of a conversation, but the press were there for the conversation with Senator Ron Wyden. He came here to the city. I don't know if he came or if he's been here, but he was here, and we had a press conference at the fire station here in downtown Portland, and uh, it was myself. It was Kai San, who's our executive director at Street Roots, um, Sophie Mazaraga, she's our Rose City Resource Manager at Street Roots. Um, we had some folks from FIRE, the FIRE Chief Sarah Boone, Tremaine Clayton, who also works with FIRE, and will mm-hmm. be taking a leading role in um, Portland Street Response, which we've talked about a lot here, some staff from Commissioner Hardesty's office. So it was a good conversation that we had with the senator, but before he even, before he sat down and had this roundtable sort of conversation with us, he had to address the press at the podium there and he condemned, you know, President Trump. He condemned federal law enforcement coming out here, tear gassing folks and and really treating folks brutally here in the city of Portland. And then he sort of allowed that to transition into the conversation of this model that is Portland Street Response, which many of you know of. If not, go look it up. Um, right, right. But. You know, obviously, politics are politics. Things take time. Um, Portland Street response is not in motion yet. It'll probably be 2021 until it is. Um, The city pretty much came out and said that there's been sort of a holdup in HR. And that's because we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. So, you know, it's really tough when you have you know, this social climate that is what it is. And then you have a pilot like Portland Street Response, which has a lot of momentum, is going to be great for the community, but it's still being held up by this pandemic. So, um, but like I said, with the momentum it's getting, Senator Ron Wyden really is promoting Portland Street Response and wanting to build it out into a national model. So these conversations are only going to... It's huge. That's, that's it's huge. how powerful it really is. I, Absolutely. I read up and seen it. I was like, that's huge. That's that huge. It's, it's, it's a step in the... It's a lot of steps in the right direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do so, you feel about that? I mean, it, it's dope. You know, just knowing it comes from... You know, it derived from... First, I got to give a shout out to Cahoots and Eugene. They have a very similar model. Um, White Bird Clinic. They, they We worked closely with them okay. and kind of tailoring the model or, or, or kind of with the idea and the foundation of the model and then bringing it back to Portland and tailoring it to a major city like Portland. Gotcha. So obviously we get a lot of recognition on that front and we definitely, like I said, tailored it to Portland. I said, or- did I say Oregon? You, I meant you, to say, you said it right. I, I meant you. to say Portland. But it was a partnership. But it was yeah, bigger yeah, yeah. than just y'all. But yeah. I'll get to why I said Oregon here in a yeah. second, but tailoring it to Portland, obviously Portland being the big city that it is, Um, certainly having momentum that it has right now, it caught, you know, it caught in city hall. It it caught with the fire department. Obviously we have a big homeless issue here in the city of Portland. We're definitely in in a case where mental health has been, you know, a a mainstream topic for a while now here in society. So it, it definitely caught. And we did a lot of advocacy work on our end, you know, our vendors who, who I'm the director of that program, taking it to the streets 
surveying folks in the streets. We work closely with uh, the Portland State Homelessness and Research Action Collaborative. Like we definitely, like I said, tailored it to this city. It caught and now Wyden is talking about building it out nationally. So we'll see how that goes and how that plays out. But the momentum continues to flourish on that front, which is a great thing. But the marathon continues. There's still a lot of work to be done there. So nice. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. And and Wyden, like I said, he was a cool guy. Definitely, you know, interesting to be able to and fortunate, blessed to be able to be uh, representing and having a voice within that conversation. And like I said, have done a lot of groundwork to get to this particular point. Um, but let's get into some content, man, because we got a lot of it. We're going to rapid fire through a bunch of shit today because there's a lot going on this week and even last week, which, by the way, before we dig into some content, Shireen Ahmed, that interview was phenomenal last week. Go and check that interview out. Her and I had a great conversation in regards Seen to a lot of positive feedback, a lot of positive feedback. She's a star, though. She's. She's she's big time in this field and big time in this in this profession. And, you know, I I had the fortune to cross paths with her while I was in college and we've been able to maintain a really good relationship since then. Um, She she's one of the best journalists out of the entire country of Canada, if you ask me great writer, great speaker. And it was just a candid and a real conversation that we were able to have last week, even though we were discussing some very serious topics and oftentimes that could be hard to navigate navigate through talking about some serious and painful and traumatic and real stuff, but also being able to kind of be have fun, be lighthearted and, you know, be able to do it in a way that's engaging and not kind of putting you in a negative place because some of the topics can definitely be depressing to an extent. Um, But yeah, great conversation there. Go and check that out. But since we did interview her last week, a lot took place last week. A lot continues to take place this week, and there's some topics that we're going to cover that we didn't get to hit last week without having an episode with me and D-Boy here, and we're going to obviously try to stay as current as we can and discuss some of the recent happenings here in the last 48 hours or so. Um, so I want to start off with this uh, Washington football team. I tried to, I was conscious of that before the name got changed, but um, or they banned the name which you all know what name that is, but the Washington National Football League team is no longer going to utilize the mascot. Go look it up if you don't know what mascot it is. I won't say the name, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it is a big deal in a lot of ways, but I definitely want to talk about it and discuss it because our third episode, if you go back way, way, way in the archives, our third episode on this podcast, we had Jacqueline Keeler, who's a great journalist here out of Portland, Oregon, Um, Definitely one of the leading voices and one of the leading scribes when it comes to Native American politics, when it comes to Native American masketry. Um, She's definitely somebody you should look into and go check out. But we had her discuss this. This is over three years ago now Mm -hmm. on this very podcast. And the discussion was happening long before we had her on here on this podcast. And the interesting part of it all is, you know, when she was on this podcast and she addressed the Washington national football team, it seemed like it really hadn't gotten anywhere as far as, um, foresight that the name would actually ever change. It was, she discussed, uh, her experience protesting at the, at the football stadium out there in Washington, DC, 
And she just said, you know, for it to be as diverse of a place that it was really just didn't gain the traction that they expected it to. Um, people didn't really acknowledge them in the protests that were happening at that time. And it just didn't seem like it really was gaining momentum and gaining steam, even though the conversation had been happening for a really long time. So to now fast forward here three years later mm-hmm. and to be able to see this moment that we're in where a lot of these statues and symbols and, and, and history that is not so good history here in the United States of, of America is really being challenged and we're really seeing it being taken down. Now, some people aren't pleased with that. Some people don't really put too much into symbolism. Some people don't really put too much in the stat in the statues. People want to see real change. They want to see systemic change. They want to see change in their communities, etc. Mm-hmm. But I'm one, I'm one that does put stake in symbolism. I'm one that does put stake in these other things, essentially awareness, because without awareness, like I said, these conversations and some of the changes that we're even seeing on that front don't really happen because the conversations have been had for so long, but because of the moment that we were not in then, that we're currently in right now, you're seeing how awareness is actually breaking things down, breaking people down, and people are having to create change. I agree. I agree a whole hundred percent. Like I can't, I can't deflect or knock what you're saying at all. It's real. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I, like I said, we're gonna rapid fire through some topics, but I just really had to bring that up and acknowledge that because it's really dope to see. Shout out to Jacqueline Keeler. Continue to to continue to check out her work. Continue to watch. It ain't it gonna is, stop. A lot of people stepping doing. up in a major way, and you love to see it. You got to be optimistic in times like this. Absolutely, I mean, seeing a lot of good, it, it, good it, work. It, we got to keep working. It don't to. stop. It's a marathon. It's a lifetime fight. So that's ultimately is really what I'm getting at when it comes to that. It's been a long time coming, and we still got a long way to go. Now I want to transition into the NBA a little bit in the bubble. And LeBron James in particular, one of the leading forces there? in all of athletics. Is he there? Is he in the bubble? Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, LeBron's sure. in the bubble. Yeah, what veteran that was saying on the Lakers ain't in the bubble? Um, Rajon Rondo got hurt, I but at practice in the bubble. I thought it no, it was Avery Bradley. And, oh, and it's because his he, son... He ain't got to be in the bubble. Uh, shit, all right. all right. Don't sleep on Avery Bradley. What happened to his son? What? His son, and on a more unfortunate level, his son... Uh, has like a respiratory illness and so Danny Green's not re- I mean not Danny Green Avery Bradley is not mm-hmm. really risking going out to the bubble that getting sick sense. bringing any sense. diseases back home with Total his son respect. having issues that's what I'm saying we can, we can do without him but I'm not playing him like he weak okay we well I'm just making piece, sure because it felt him. like you kind of were without no, knowing we, we what actually the story was no no I didn't know what the story I'm just saying <laughs> no I'm saying I'm saying we were just talking basketball you seemed like you wasn't giving him no respect no I was saying I was hoping it was him over Danny Green that's what I was saying okay I seen a picture in an article and there must have been Danny Green and Avery Bradley in the picture but the focal point looked like it was Danny Green and I seen veteran associated so I just assumed Danny Green and I was more so like I'd rather it be Avery Bradley not there than Danny Green. I think I, I think I would agree with you okay. hadn't I hadn't Rajon Rondo just broke his hand. 
I think that's okay, going to make that, a world of difference okay, because Avery, Bradley, and Rondo are similar but players. But that's not a wild take, though. It's not okay, a wild okay, take. Okay. I mean, it's I like really, Danny Green. It's more, I, so, I like, it's more so preference. I mean, all you're going to get out of Danny Green is shooting defense, threes. Little and, D, little you D. know, a little D. He's definitely got a little size on him. But yeah, Avery long. Bradley is a guy that can go out there and guard the he best can, player. He can go out like, Avery Bradley too. is the guy who you're going to put on Kawhi Leonard if you play the Clippers in a series. He'll bake anybody, but I'm just telling you, I on that you, team, LeBron's not going to guard Kawhi Leonard. Much, Maybe in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, he's baking anybody. LeBron's not going to, but the yeah, guy Avery, you're willing to put on him, go the veteran him. guy that knows how to defend and knows how to get under guys' how skin long in that room. really been in the league It's been a while. It's been a little while. Uh, it's been a while. I mean, definitely I, yeah, I didn't think he was 10 years or so. Oh, I mean, shit. yeah, he's okay. been... He's been around for a minute. Avery right. Bradley has, right. has had, he's made I'm a good career for himself. Um, but beyond that, LeBron James is not wearing any slow, any social justice right. slogans on the back of the his culture. jersey. He doing enough. I, I agree. It is all right. I don't mind him not wearing um, any social justice slogans. Where I actually have a problem with is LeBron has come out and stated that he wasn't really a part of the conversation in regards to what social justice slogans could be he was, there or not. He was not. right on point. He got drafted in 2010. Yeah, 10 he, years. 10 He's years. a 10-year vet. That's a, that's somebody you want to have in a playoff not to situation. Cut you off, but I just seen it right now. I had to show you. Yeah, yeah. 10 years. 10 years dot. for Avery Bradley. That's somebody you want in a postseason situation. Right. Anybody that can sustain a 10-year career in the NBA. They did something you, right. You, they did something right, and you're willing to rock with them. You're willing to rock with them in the postseason. But I agree with you. LeBron not wearing a social justice slogan really that's doesn't matter. That's peanuts. What does matter, though, is that he wasn't a part of the conversation, and a lot of people would obviously look to front office execs to blame for that, but I got to blame Ja Morant for that conversation, what not conversation? necessarily getting mean? to LeBron. LeBron had no say or no stake. There's, 40, there's like 47 or 49 social justice slogans that were approved by the NBA that players can wear on the back of their jerseys. Before Ja Morant kind of came out and did that fuck 12 statement that he made because he said that was the slogan that he wanted on the back of his jersey, he eventually came out and apologized for it, said it was the wrong thing to do. Um, but once that happened, the NBA kind of got a grip and was like, okay, we're going to approve what social justice slogans can go on the back mm. of players' jerseys. Mm. So I wish Ja Morant hadn't done that because hadn't he done that, I do think LeBron would have gotten brought to the table in regards to, you know, social justice slogans being on the back of players' jerseys. Maybe, you know, he would have been able to curate the list of slogans that could have been on the back of players' jerseys. But because John Morant did what he did, the NBA kind of had to take control of things. And now they have 49 slogans. And obviously LeBron doesn't approve of any of them to go on the back of his jersey. But LeBron's a leader, in, you know, when it comes to athlete activism. He's That's obviously bullshit. a leader Knowing when it comes that, to his what you playing. just taught me, hell no, I wouldn't be. It, that make it even more so where he's all right. He don't got to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, 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 that that killed absolute, it. 49, tri- yeah. bye. <laughs> you no, know, Black Lives Matter. You. You know, no. Yeah, no nigga, justice, uh, no peace, maybe. What they going to say? Uh, <laughs> I don't have the list um, directly what, in front of me. <laughs> um, what they going to say? Uh, I can't breathe. No, we're Pro- not doing yeah, that. We're yeah, not that's, doing that. That's, and, and, I'm, and, I'm not a, and I'm not mad at that either. Don't get it wrong. Like I said, I'm, I'm somebody 
who vouches for mm-hmm. awareness. I really do. And a lot of people do think that it's starting to become a circus with, you know, everything that's going on. But I'm a diversity of tactics guy. I am an awareness guy. And I think all parts are necessary when it comes to us seeing the ultimate change that we want to see. So I don't condemn it, but I don't care if LeBron isn't wearing it. So he he's a social justice figure as far as I'm concerned. Fact. So when you Fact. see LeBron, you see social justice, and Fact. that's good enough for me. Man, we talking schools and all kind of stuff, man. The slogan, I'm not, that, that shouldn't be, I mean, it should be a topic, but yeah, that's out. He's fine. Yeah, so so that's that. not a glitch in his in his system at all. Not at all, not at all. Keep it rocking, LeBron. Keep it rocking. Um, let's move on. I want to talk about Gilly the Kid, million dollars worth of game podcast. It's very very vulgar it's for starters. So if you if you want to go and listen to it, I'm telling you that now. It's a lot Don't more do vulgar. It with your kids. It's a lot more vulgar than we are here on this podcast. That's for damn sure. But yep. I listen to vulgar podcasts, so it's actually a podcast that I do listen to from time to time. And I was gonna play a clip from it, but I'm not even going to because even that too many n bombs for me, and we don't need to we don't need to infiltrate y'all with that yeah. over here. You yeah. go get infiltrated with it on your own time if right. that's what you want to do. Right. Um. But million dollars worth of game podcast and Gilly the Kid, who's a former rapper. This podcast is now a part of Barstool Sports. So for some of y'all that know a bit of Barstool's history, you you might not really rock with that anyway because Barstool definitely. Uh, has some some history that's not so great. Um, But he essentially came out and said, like I said, I'm not going to quote him. I have the audio clip right here, but I'm not even going to play it. But he essentially came out talking about McCurr Maker, who is committed to Howard University, five-star high school athlete, and decided he wants to go to an HBCU. HBCU. Gilly the Kid basically said said if if that was his son... (laughs) He's no. not going to an HBCU. He's going to a Duke. He's going to a Kentucky. And his reason for essentially saying that is if you're a five-star player, you got league action, and I want to put you in the best position to get to the league, not to make a stance before you actually have league money. I disagree with it vehemently, but D-Boy, what are your thoughts on that? Agree, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> What are you going, dude? It's Shashetsky on your brain. Why do you agree? Um, I mean, I definitely think that it's gonna take somebody to do so. So I'm not knocking anybody. Yeah, that's what I think. I think it's gonna take a shift, and it's gonna take a build, and it's gonna take some people to take some real leaps of faith and some real, um, ultimately sacrifices. That's a sacrifice at this point. And so I think that, um, for the people who are willing to do that. Great, excellent. I think, you know, I'm built for certain things. That sacrifice is not for me. If I got USC or UCLA or Kentucky, Kentucky, Duke, Duke, any of these people knocking that. And like you said, if I'm a five-star athlete, I'm going to try to put, if my son is a five-star athlete, I'm going to try to put him in a five-star system. And hopefully with certain sacrifices such as makers, we can can get to that five-star system in that. But... Like I said, at this point in time, if that was the case, I'm probably going to that bigger school too. And that's no knock to the... Like, right, we right. need people that take another side than me. But right. I'm just being honest. I'm not going to sit here and lie on a podcast like like Gilly Take was on some janky, on some... Not, yeah, yeah, not st- yeah. yeah, you can say Uncle Tom. You know, people yeah, yeah, be quick yeah, yeah, to... Yeah. That, that wasn't that to me. That was just a real honest take. 
Yeah, even though I, I think he's done and said some other things in I his mean, past that are certainly he's questionable. Outlandish, yeah. To where I, I'm not surprised that he had this particular yeah, take. And that wasn't as crazy and, as but a lot what of I, shit I But heard. what I will say is the reason why I disagree with Gilly is this. If your reasoning for wanting your kid to go to one of these bigger schools because he's a five-star athlete is to go to the league, we have a such thing called the G League now where players can go and get paid for a year, play professional ball, get professional treatment, and play in the G League like we like we just saw Jalen Green do, like we're seeing a lot of these athletes do, be able to sign with agents, be able to do so many more things and have many more opportunities to A, prepare, for, prepare them for the league, and B, get paid while they're preparing for the league. Obviously, college isn't doing that we know how great the ncaa platform is but if i'm a five-star player and i'm thinking about going to the league my first option option is to do that now my second option is one word three syllables shashesky go for it but for me i don't i i mean why why don't you feel that because if i can if i have an opportunity to go to a howard university and I know the best of the best and the players that are already projected to go pro are not playing college anymore, it devalues some of the high major credibility because they're not getting the t- cream of the crop top top talent that they were getting initially because guys are going to the league now. Mm-hmm. If that's the decision that you're going to make and your entire decision is based on going to the league. So now if I'm a five-star player like Maker and... 10 or 15 guys from my class that are also five-star guys are already going to the league. I can go here to Howard University, make some noise there, create some change. He's going to get the press that that's needed over there, especially in this social climate, and still get close enough to the opportunity necessary to go to the league anyway. So I don't see it as... Much yeah, of a you deal could be where the hero instead of just another, you could take a different avenue. You could take a different avenue, and I think we were at a yeah, point in time where historical. you couldn't. It I, I think, historical. and I think there was a point in time where, yeah, you might not want to take that different avenue, but no, because I just think with the most recent occurrences, it's just another thing that we're putting more light on. It, every, it ain't like we had to go to these colleges to begin with. I think it's just well, tradition um, was built there. You got to give tradition that's, credit. That's what I'm in saying that. some people are gonna follow that, but. We could have been started this tradition. I just think it's more people wills turning on how we can have more of a say so, have more of a of for even though we had that option, like us controlling our narrative. And you yeah. use that a lot. And that's yeah. what I think that this come down to with all the recent stuff, us even more so. And I say us as black people focusing on every avenue and every way to control the narrative. And this is just another a- absolutely. You know, action. A- of absolutely. It. And I think also somebody we got to give the credit, uh, give some credit to whether you want to or not, we got to give a little bit of credit to LeVar Ball and what he did with LaMelo and LiAngelo too, obviously after LiAngelo got in trouble, but LaMelo in particular, who I always thought had, had the most, um, Potential and regardless to the ball in regards to the ball brothers who are obviously are really talented players, but LeVar really fought up against that traditional go to a high major university because 
this is the route that you have to take to get to the league. That's no longer the direct route anymore. And that's why I say I can understand Maker more so actually going to a black college in this climate when the high major universities was almost kind of the gatekeeping route and it is no longer the gatekeeping route. So I think you can kind of take those chances now. And I will say, I, I think this is also more specific to basketball. I don't know if I take that chance that you and Gilly are talking about in football because I think things are getting a little exactly. bit different. Yeah. You yeah. don't have the opportunity to go to a G League yeah. or go to a development league in yeah. football that you have the opportunity what, what to go to in basketball. I, I got recruited it's just in different college, sports. I think the big fish, small pond thing. So for some people, that's an avenue that works. You go to a place that's less recognizable for this stuff, like you said, especially in a time like this, you're going to get even more coverage for yeah. being that change. So it's just it's all a preference. Yeah, yeah, but 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 like I said, I think right now is the perfect time to do it, and I think there's been work and there's been real stepping stones to get us to this point, and then the social climate just kind of blew it all wide open. We going to Duke, though. Go ahead and go to Duke. I might go to Howard, man. Go play at a black college and and get down. Definitely gonna be the star. That's what's, for damn sure. You might not be the star at Duke like you think you will be. What's the what's the guy guy over at North Carolina too? Roy what's Roy it? Williams. Roy Williams. Roy Williams. He's yeah. a goat too. Definitely, definitely big time universities. Not knocking the players that do decide to go there, but I don't think it's as much of a risk as Gilly is making it out to be to go to a historically black college as a five star player because there are other options to get to the league now. And NBA scouts, agents are looking at all of these options and all of these avenues to ultimately get the talent that they want to play in the NBA. Um, we're keeping it on the culture, though. Let's talk a little bit about this versus battle, man. You know I love versus, obviously. Um, we got a big battle coming up next Wednesday. Snoop Dogg versus DMX. The Battle of the Dogs. I think it's going to be Unfair the matchup. best battle Unfair yet. matchup. You crazy. I think it's going to be the best battle yet. You know I'm rolling with the West Side, but Unfair you as the matchup. artist, I want to know what's unfair about it. Snoop got way more hits. Snoop got way more composure. Snoop is more iconic. DMX going for show, entertain. DMX got some, he got some stuff in the vault for show, but I just don't think that, I think it's just an unexpected matchup. And that's no discredit to DMX. DMX is a legend in the hip hop industry. I, I'll, and I'm, I'm not one of those people that use that word loosely. Would you agree? Oh, for 100%. Okay, okay, so... He's a legend in the in the in the hip hop rap community, but I just it's just awkward. Like Snoop versus DMX. It Why makes sense put to it me. like this? Why do you think it's gonna be the most entertaining? The reason I think it's gonna be or the, the most, best one yet. Did you the, say the best one yet? Yeah, I think okay. it'll be the best one yet. Why? Because a for one, let me just make it clear. I do believe Snoop Dogg will win this battle for a lot of the reasons that you already mentioned. He's got an insane catalog. He's obviously a great entertainer. Um, I, I, I think he also is going to kind of spin the narrative in his direction. I think he'll be a lot better than DMX in that realm. DMX, I don't really know kind of what backstories he's going to be able to tell in a way that Snoop Dogg is going to be able to tell right. some of his backstories right. in regards to the, the curation of their records. But where I think it's a little bit closer than you're giving it credit is two things. One, I think you can make an argument that DMX has more of a cult following in rap than Snoop Dogg does. 
I think it's debatable That's what I on said both if, sides. If it was anybody else, I think it's debatable on if both it was sides. Anybody else than Snoop, I would agree. I know DMX has a powerful cult following. He has a powerful cult following. But oh. we're talking about yeah, Snoop. Snoop's we're the talking bigger about star. cult following from people, grandmas to our peers today to people younger than us. But what, but what you got to realize is it's also a battle. So in the fact that it's a battle, DMX not only has the legendary cult following that he has, he also makes battle type music. So having the following and then having battle music but to go with that. it's not a battle like battle it, rap. It's a battle of who got it, more but if you watch undeniable, them, you feel No, me. it's not. No, it's not. I've been no, watching it's them. not. Which, what's not, the last one I'm you watched? I'm just watch? saying they're not <laughs> battling on some like it's a celebration for sure, but they're coming with the game plan. They're, but the thing is, they're coming with the game plan. And at the end of the day, what I'm saying is, it's not like who got the hardest music, like as far as on some yeah. on some janky shit. Like, but you, but we, but you also got to consider who it's attached to. We're talking about DMX here. <laughs> like we're not just talking about anybody having the hardest music. We're talking about DMX, where there's not really anybody you can name that has harder music than DMX does. Obviously, Snoop Dogg's music catalog is longer. It's a bit more diversified, and he definitely has the wits that you I agree with close? you. Win. You think it'll be close? I think it'll be a lot closer than you're giving. <laughs> I think it'll be close enough to where it'll be the best yet. I wouldn't say the best yet would have a lopsided ending like that. You know can, what I mean? Can like, we, can we bet ten on the live right now? Ten on what? That uh, you wrong. It won't be close. Yeah. All right. We can bet ten on the live on that. Just something. Because it'll be. Because it'll. Because like I said, my thing is is. And by the way. Never mind. But I think it's gonna be a landslide. Which I don't. I don't. I don't. I think never mind. I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it'll be a landslide at all. I think it'll be DMX having a cult following, and we'll really get to see the legacy of DMX in a way that we haven't seen in a while either. That's something else that I think we forget about as well. Huh? With, with DMX, we're gonna celebrate him in a way that we may not celebrate Snoop Dogg as much. Just from the stance of DMX we see Snoop Dogg. Exactly. Yeah. DMX, Snoop Dogg's been in our face. He is the bigger star, and he has the better music, if you ask me. But I think you'll really start to see how hip-hop really and truly feels about DMX, and that's why I think Snoop Dogg was even willing to take the battle. Snoop Dogg ain't just battling anybody, dog. I agree. He's not just battling anybody. So for Snoop Dogg to be willing, I've heard him turn battles down. He goes on live with Swiss Beats after every verses. After every verses. And there's lies. I think 50 Cent tried to battle Snoop Dogg, and Snoop Dogg turned him down. Think about that. So for Snoop Dogg to be willing to say, you know what, I will battle DMX because Snoop Dogg knows the impact that DMX has had on hip-hop. And for a really long time as well, I don't think it'll be that lopsided. I do think Snoop Dogg wins, though. I agree. I do think he wins, though. I think it'll be more lopsided than you giving credit, but I agree he will uh, win. Yeah, you're going to see, man. You gonna, DMX is going to take you to a place, I think. I, I'm, I'm actually interested in your reaction because mm -hmm. I think DMX will take you to a place that'll feel know. more nostalgic that I, it would even take me, and I'm the one vouching I, for you. I, I believe it. I think we, so. We called the Rough Riders. <laughs> that you forgot? I'm, I'm telling you, I think he's going to take you to a place from a nostalgic perspective, then he'll take me, but I'm the Let one that's see. giving him the credit it's for funny, it. funny, because last summer, Simba was trying to give me this same talk. He loved uh, DMX, and he was trying to tell me, like, Cuddy, here it is. Played it, like, 
So it's funny that everything come full circle. We had no idea we was going to be in this situation a summer later, but he literally gave me the same talk. I'll never forget leaving the Westfield Mall. I'm telling you, (laughs) it's not, I don't think it's as wide of a gap as, as I'm definitely willing to put 10 on it. (laughs) Like, like, I'm willing to do that. So um, that's just kind of how I feel there. Let's transition into the next topic. As I said, we're rapid firing here. Nick Cannon gets fired from Viacom. Shout out Revolt. Nick Cannon gets fired from Viacom. Now, first off, let me come out and say this. Um, He essentially got fired because folks said that he made some anti-Semitic comments. What do you think about his his comments? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I'm not going to endorse his comments because I don't know enough about it. Okay. All right. I just... In regards to, like, from a historical perspective... Thank you. I didn't mean to say thank you. I just... I... From a historical perspective... It's tough. Freedom of speech shouldn't make you... I mean, certain things is outlandish, but I think, man, when we... It's, it's our backs is against the wall when we really feel how... Like, he said how he felt. And, and that'd be the cold part. You get what I'm saying? Why, it's like when you really feel how you feel and it's not wrong, but it's wrong to the masses or to corporate, the risk that come with it is it, it, very hard. And let me be the first to say, I don't think he made nearly as bad of a mistake or a comment as Deshaun Jackson did last week. So for starters, and that'll be a way to loop Deshaun Jackson into this conversation... I think that's easy to compare to because if you don't know what Nick Cannon said and you do know what Deshaun Jackson said, you might you might put them on an even playing field. And I don't think it was that if you go and actually listen to what Nick Cannon was saying in regards to some of the historical context that he was able to give around what he was saying. I don't think Deshaun Jackson really had any decent context to go with what he was saying. And although in his brain he might have had the context, how it came out, it had no context. <laughs> Nick Cannon gave context when he said what it was that he said. And so that's, that's why I give... He's, he, he's seasoned. He's, he's been seasoned. doing He's seasoned. He's, he's now, seasoned, and because you said that, like I said, I'm not endorsing what Nick Cannon said. I would rather maybe a Jewish person or a white person to be here, hear the comments and have a conversation with them on this front in regards to if what he said was right or wrong. Fuck how I feel. But in regards to me endorsing Nick Cannon, I think it was the best thing that could ever happen for Nick Cannon. And here's why. As you mentioned, I think Nick Cannon has been one of the most valuable pieces to black culture and he's very, very underrated in regards to the role he has played within the culture. He got run since a kid. Since a kid. Teen Nick, Nick Nickelodeon, all the work he's done there. Obviously, Viacom, working with Viacom. He had Wildin' Out with Viacom. That's MTV. Wildin' Out had one of the greatest television runs we have ever seen. It it, it took until now. Think about how far back Wildin' Out goes, and it took until now for Wildin' Out to no longer be a show. And it wasn't by not doing good. It it, was by this. and, And... also, Nick Cannon, somebody very seasoned, very educated. He's he's had a great podcast for a very long time. He's made great business moves for a very long time. Drumline, one of the most classic black Man. movies ever. Like we can go on and on and on about Nick Cannon. But but for for as much as we can give Nick Cannon credit for, 
I don't think we raise his name enough in regards to what he means to our culture because he's one of the tip. There's not too many people that can match Nick Cannon yeah, in was, regards to his cultural corny, influence. Uh, he's got a corny label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People label him as corny, and I think this is a part of that problem. This is the part of the reason why he gets labeled as corny. You go straight from Nickelodeon and Teen Nick straight into MTV Viacom and. A lot of what you do actually stand for, which you do put out there, we have never really gotten attached to it because we couldn't get past Teen Nick and then MTV Viacom Nick Cannon. But he's far more substantial than now that. Now you're grown and outspoken, and we got our ears, and now it's and he's bad. and he's very educated, and he he's very substantial, and I think he always has been because his career wouldn't have been as successful Seasons. as it is. Had he not been very smart and very seasoned. So where I think this is the best thing that could have happened. Even now, one of my favorite shows, um, the, the, the Masked Singer, he's the host for that show. Like, we can go on and on about Nick Cannon. But I think it was the best thing that could have happened to him because we need to now detach the corny label from Nick Cannon, especially in the moment in time that we're in right now because he holds too much value for us not to be able to cling to him the way that we should as black people. Like I said, I'm not endorsing what he said. That is separate from me endorsing Nick Cannon and what he's meant to the black community for a very long time. And he's getting a lot of support from the black community that Deshaun Jackson didn't get. So let's be clear about that as well, too. He's getting a lot of support in the black community because he is somebody that has been so valuable and we got to give him his flowers and say that. And now I think we actually can put him, we can elevate him in a way where that's not corny Nick no more. Nick was willing to talk some shit, lose his job for it, and not be apologetic about it. It's going to be a blessing in disguise for Nick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh And and I think his content also is too great. it's deserving. It's It's, deserving, deserving and his content is too great. Like, we shouldn't be having a conversation even right now where Nick Cannon is trying to basically demand rights to Wildin' Out, the TV show. Obviously, Viacom has something to say in regards to having rights to that show. Wild and Out will never be the same without a Nick Cannon, but if we look at what Nick Cannon was able to do from a content perspective and, and how far ahead of the game he was when he created the show and for the show to still have as much relevance as it does today, we need Nick Cannon, own, Nick Cannon owning that content. We need Nick Cannon to be on the front lines as a curator, as an owner, as an investor in our community so that we don't have to deal, we don't have to watch him have these sort of legal entanglements if we're <laughs> taking you, a word from Jada Pinkett Smith. Don't you start jumping to the taking L's already. I'm not talking about it in taking L's. I don't know if you're going to talk about it or not, like but I, I can said, tell you. Don't you start <laughs> Read between the lines, dude. Well, then how about we get straight into taking L's right now? D-Boy, who you giving an L this week? August Alcina. He's a mark. He's a mark. <laughs> he lost it with me. Just, I mean, just seeing it and then going back and looking—it's uh, just an all uh, dumb situation to me. I don't got much to say about it because I truthfully don't care. But August Alcina, just him being the the root of this, even getting out to the masses for one, mm-hmm. and then um, going back and just seeing some of his captions associated with his he seems still off his rocker to me obviously we only know the little bit of history that they say about him having some mental health issues and him being in a bad place when he even was brought to the family by i think the son 
Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. So yeah. if that's all accurate to what I'm saying, I just think, ah oh, man, I mean, it was, it's just, I, like I and said, he I was an wanna, adult, by the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's an adult clear. for sure. So <laughs> just with all of that being said, um, it, it just something just not sitting right to me. Just it just, it, I, I'll and tell I don't you. look enough into it, but just from what I'm seeing and reading and. You know, know of it. It's just, he just it's not right. I, I'll say this, and it's something that you talk about on this podcast a lot and that we talk about because obviously you being in the music industry, me, you know, obviously being a fan and a DJing and doing different stuff within the music industry in my own right, we often talk about the rollout. I'm not here to necessarily praise Jada Pinkett Smith because I think she has some flaws in her approach as well. <laughs> um, but what I will say is I don't like the fact that this conversation his all album came out, out huh? when his album got released. And I heard that her ratings on Red Table Talk was doing low, all-time low numbers, and this just I, broke records. You didn't hear I about didn't, that either? I didn't hear about I that. I just heard about that on the radio today, that her Red Table Talk show was at a major decline, and this just broke all kind of records. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it, that. It, it, did. it, it definitely it, did. it, it definitely elevated so, all platforms so involved. So so all platforms are definitely elevated. I'm just not the person that can never condone a platform being elevated in that way. Mm-hmm. I, I, I personally can't. Mm-hmm. I don't condone it. I can't condone it. Like if I want to come out and say something. I'm going to come out and say something, but I'm going to try to be as cognizant as I can that when I come out and say it, I'm not doing it in a way where my platform or there's some kind of business attached to it. I like this, to be real. That's like, what we got to be real different. people. And I could be wrong. I'm usually a good judge of this. I'd be telling like you said, I talk about it a lot where I'm like, bro, they doing that because this. And then sure enough, that's what happened. Um, this just felt different to me, bro. The emotion with Will... The, the who he is, I just don't think he would sacrifice his uh privacy. I don't think he would sacrifice that personal of a situation in that manner. I could be wrong, but I just I I literally don't think that that was the case in this situation. But you could be right, and we'll find out. Yeah, absolutely. We will find um, out. Um, Do you think Will took an L before, like in that? No. Okay. No. No, Will, Will. I don't think Will can right. take an L at this point right. in his life, in his career, and all, right. all that. And, and I'm not, and I'm not here to say that Will, you know, has been a saint and all this. I don't know. That's right. why I really right. don't care to speak right. to it. I, the only yeah. part that I'm really willing, and I, and and I know people go through shit. Relationships are hard. Relationships are tough. I'm not the person that really speaks on other people's relationship. Yeah. The only thing that was, I was just questionable. If you thought it yeah, tarnished the, the, him the, in any way. Doing no, not that at all. Not at all. I don't think. It, I, I don't think it tarnished August. I don't really think it tarnished Jada. I don't think it tarnished anybody. I don't think it was everybody's business. So right. that, for one, is where I, 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 I don't. I'm not really for that. And for two, like I said, if I had to question anything, it would be the rollout. Because obviously, we've seen a trend of people doing stuff out of (laughs) the ordinary for a rollout. And so that's the only thing that I would really question. But anything as far as their entanglement, relationships, whatever, it'll blow by in the wind. And and everything will be fine. Um, I got to give my take and L's to Chance the Rapper. And the reason why I have to give my take and L's 
for Chance the Rapper, Chance the Rapper, is because he essentially came out and tried to endorse this entire Kanye for president ordeal. He's a clown. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, the more I can see him, he's a clown to me. Tell me more. He's just a clown. He raised representation, and he's just hard to figure out. I think that's very weird. Like we thought he was on the gospel hype for a minute, and then it's just like. You know, it, this Kanye shit and just, it's just, he's a hard for person to follow, to and, be honest. Just and I'm going to read the off. tweets. I'm going to read the two tweets that, that, that I see right here that he said. Um, Are you more pro-Biden or anti-yay and why? I get that you'll want to reply that you're just trying to get Trump out. But in this hypothetical scenario where you're replacing Trump, can someone explain why Joe Biden would be better? I finally got the answer now. I understand. Y'all trust Biden more than y'all trust Ye. I think I understand why. I just don't feel the same way. My thing is, Chance the Rapper, you shouldn't have even elevated Kanye as a president in the first place. Mm. That's me. If Kanye, if Kanye wants to come out and elevate himself to be the president and do all, exactly, but but that's on him. Leave it to Kanye to do that. You don't have to elevate that Dumb platform because we don't need it. Knowing all that Kanye has gone through, has gone through in the last however many years at this point, we don't need it. And knowing and knowing the climate that we're in right. Right now, in regards to having a celebrity and having Trump in office, we just don't need that rhetoric right now. It's, it's unnecessary. There's a lot of reasons why Kanye can't even actually really run for president. He missed the primaries already. Like, what are we talking about here, Chance the Rapper? We're just having conversations that are, are veering us away from the conversations that we truly do need to be having. And so I, I just thought it was a lame move for, for Chance the Rapper, somebody who you know, tries to put himself out there in a way where he's kind of, I guess, woke, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, but I, I just didn't really respect the move at all, and I thought it was a trash move to support and endorse Kanye, who's already dropped out of the race, too, by the way, that he was never in. Um, it was just whack. It was just all out whack to me. So Chance the Rapper, I'm giving you the L this week. With that being said, give it your all in whatever it is that you do, and uh, stay woke. And, and go, go in. in.